Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 131. Thank you so much for joining us today. And as we begin a new month, thank you for making August one of our most successful months of Detour to Neverland. We truly appreciate your ongoing support and contributing to our growth. So we look forward to continuing to bring you guys valuable content that helps you grow or launch your Disney project. Along those same lines, we also have our Facebook group that we love to mention at the beginning of each week. Just this past week, we've had some new friends join us and share that they are launching new Disney projects. Being around people like that that are so inspired and gung-ho about starting something is infectious. And I really do believe that it helps everybody to bounce ideas off each other and give guidance or share their experiences. So... We would love to have you join us over there. You can find it at Detour to Neverland Podcast Community on Facebook, or you can hit that link in our show notes. Our guest today is Colin Kendall, who is the owner and founder of Guide4WDW.com. Colin has so much really valuable content to help you make the most out of your Walt Disney World vacation, and he has an interesting approach to a lot of things as well, so we will get into all of that So we appreciate Colin joining us, and we're going to go ahead and start that interview where Colin will introduce himself and share one fact that we may not know about him from social media. Sure. So the thing that typically gets people off guard originally is that I'm 22, um, so a little younger than a lot of people in the space. So that freaks people out sometimes. Um, But at the same time, I started doing what I do about three years ago. It's coming up on four years, I guess, late August. So we're already kind of there. But it started with a book originally, and then it kind of grew from there. Um, The book wasn't my greatest success. I'll be completely honest with you. I wrote it my sophomore year of college, so you can take that for what it's worth. Um, But as it kind of developed, one thing led to another, and the website kind of developed out of there. But outside of that, uh, I just graduated college about six months ago, so the last semester, and then we're kind of moving on. Just got a job recently, so this is my full-time thing, but we're working towards that eventually. That is so fun. We were actually wondering how old you were. <laughs> so it's funny that, that you <laughs> that you mentioned that. But we love it because I feel like we're often like the young people in this space. So we're glad to have you here. You beat us. <laughs> Just barely. <laughs> Just barely. Yeah. I mean you definitely beat Brendan. He's getting to be an old man. <laughs> um but that's super <laughs> cool. And that's interesting too that you started with a book. Because I feel like that's usually what a lot of people are aspiring to do is a book so it's it's almost like you did the opposite which is cool yeah it was it was kind of a strange move to be honest with you um i in college i decided i wanted to do something that was a little different i didn't want to be stuck in just a normal job for lack of a better word forever so i kind of wanted to try something to see where it led into um, it was kind of weird because I didn't even tell my p- own parents that I was doing it for a while. And then they kind of out of the blue, it's like, oh, so I wrote a book. <laughs> but but they were they were pretty supportive of it. And it worked out pretty well. It's still on Amazon. But at this point, it was kind of a guidebook. So it's a little out of date. But if anybody's ever interested in it, it's always kind of up there. Amazon doesn't take anything down, as anybody knows. <laughs> but 
Yeah. So I have more questions about that that we'll get into later. And I know you share that full story on your website as well, if anybody wants to read all the details about that. But let's lay that foundation and talk about what is your Disney story? Kind of how did you develop a love and passion for it? And how has it grown over time? Sure. So I started kind of the Disney obsession, but it was one of those things where like I was the lifelong Disney fan. Uh, I'm obviously a 90s kid, so I don't have the 1971 story that a lot of people do for obvious reasons. Um, But at the same time, I I grew up in the parks pretty much. We were there every year. Um, Now we're there. Well, me, I'm there about a week out every month at this point, Uh, especially with a new job and things like that. I get to travel down there a lot. So that's always really nice. Um, But my Disney story really started with kind of the classic Disney family story. Um, you, when we were, where, well, I'm from Kentucky. So, um, we always used to load up the van, like a lot of families still do. And you make the 14, 15 hour drive down to Orlando, which is interesting at times. And my sister went with us and parents obviously, but, um, it was just something that kind of grew from there. It was always our kind of escape from reality for a week at a time when we were growing up. And we've done everything from, the early days when Caribbean Beach used to be $100 a night to, um, to the days where we stayed some club level trips and been blessed to be able to do that. So it's always kind of a, a growing obsession, but slowly but surely you get to go back more, especially with projects like this. It makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting that you mention that because growing up, my family used to always stay at Wilderness Lodge and we would go over Christmas quite often. And people are always like, holy cow, like how did you do a week at Wilderness Lodge? Like it was the mid nineties. That room <laughs> yeah, was probably it was a like... different cost point. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, it's amazing to see how it has changed over the years too, though. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a, that is kind of the typical story. I'm sure you had to drive through Tennessee where we are to get down to Orlando, unless you took a really weird route or even worse <laughs> Atlanta. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. You always get stuck there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's interesting. So, There's something that you mentioned in your story on your website, and I pulled the direct quote, and it says that you asked yourself, if I could do anything when I woke up in the morning each day, what would I be excited to get out of bed and do every single day? So that really speaks to us because it's very similar to our story. I think that that that's kind of how we decided to jump in and try to be content creators within this space. So can you talk about just kind of what was your mindset at that point? And then obviously that led into the book and then and then everything else unraveled from there. Sure. So as the story kind of goes, um, I can kind of vividly remember sitting in my college apartment and I was just sitting there. And I was thinking, what am I going to do after college? I don't want to be this corporate accountant or something like that, like like most people are when they get through college. I want to do something that I enjoyed every day. Um, I've got this eternal fear of waking up every day and going to a nine to five job and just hating it. Um, it's one of those things that I'd rather be doing anything but that. And I decided pretty early on that I wanted to do something about that and just kind of build it from there. Um, obviously, it, I knew it wasn't going to be an easy task. It still isn't an easy task some days, um, but it's it's amazing how things change. You meet the right people along the way. Um, a story I always tell, Lou's probably going to hate me for saying this. Well, he may not. Um, but I remember reaching out to Lou Mangello, which in the podcast space, everybody knows who Lou is. Um, but I'll always remember an email he sent back to me because I was really hesitant to start a book. And after I'd written it, I'd been shot down by at least 10 different publishers, probably closer to 20. 
And he sent me an email back and he basically said, if you believe in it, try it. Because at the very least, you can say you've done something that 99% of people have never have never done and can never say that they've even tried. And that, that always stuck with me. And it kept me from just kind of completely blowing off the idea. And I'll always thank him for that. That, that makes a huge difference to me. Mm-hmm. I almost wish that we had had that same revelation of, I don't want to get stuck in a job that I hate so much sooner. I had to go through two jobs before I figured that out. Two jobs that were awful. <laughs> but yeah. it's it's wonderful that you, you know, figured that out early on. And then was Disney just kind of a natural fit into that, that, you know, you decided that that's what you wanted to be completely engrossed in? Well, Disney was always the thing that I, I enjoyed and I look forward to all the time. Um, it didn't matter when our next trip was. It was always kind of on my mind. I followed other podcasts. I followed websites and stuff like that. So I knew I knew the industry and I knew what could be and what could come out of it. Um, and I knew I knew the audience pretty well because like a lot of my friends are Disney fans, that kind of stuff, because you just kind of once you get into the community, you kind of get stuck in the community um, and you meet a lot of good people along the way. So it's just it was a good fit, really. Mm-hmm. So you produce a lot of different types of content. So you have, you know, tips and planning guides and reviews. When people read your content, what are you hoping that they get out of it or what's your goal? So my goal Originally, I was just trying to put out as much content as I could, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, I went for a while, and I did an article every day for a little over a year. Um, That got old quick. Um, And then I kind of had a shifted mindset, and I asked myself, why do I want to do this? Uh, What do I want people to get out of this? And really what it came down to is what I wanted was for people to realize that going to the parks, it didn't have to be all about attractions. It didn't have to be all about the next ride you were going to go on, the next dining location you're going to, and the next fast pass you needed to get. I wanted to share with people that it was, it was, there's more to the experience. And a lot of times it's the little details that often keep people coming back. And that's kind of the theme with a lot of my articles, because it all goes back to that for me. Because you can go to Kings Island, you can go to Cedar Point, you can go to any type of amusement park, but Disney's different because of those details, in my opinion. And oftentimes that's what most people, you can't explain to them. It's a different feel. It's a different style of vacation. And oftentimes people don't realize how different it can be. You can have that feel of a beach vacation at the Polynesian. You can have that feel of a wilderness vacation at Fort Wilderness or Wilderness Lodge or something like that. It really opens up a lot of doors for people that just think of it as, oh, I'm going to the parks for 10 hours a day and then I'm going to escape and I'm going to go back to the hotel room, sleep four hours and do it all over again. But I really wanted to push that. And it, it connects with an, a unique audience, which is kind of great to see. Um, and it's a lot of really, really good people, which I'm happy to, happy to see as well. So do you think, I know it's so hard to find this through analytics and data and everything involved, but do you think most people that land on your site are repeat visitors or someone who's maybe planning, you know, that they're often going to the parks or is it someone who maybe goes once every five years or maybe even a once in a lifetime type trip? So I I get a lot of both. Um, I get a lot of repeat visitors as far as the community that I've built and talked to and people like that. Um, That's about 40% of the audience, if I'm completely honest. Uh, The other 60% is typically, uh, of that 60%, about 95% of it comes from Pinterest. Um, I drive a ton of traffic through Pinterest as my main source, um, much over Facebook, over Instagram, anything like that, even the stuff that I have higher numbers on. Um, And a lot of that's because 
once you start ranking for things, you start to pop up on a lot of popular pages. And on Pinterest, it really fits that audience of planning tips. And for me, that's really worked out, especially with some of the photography stuff I do. Um, it's just kind of an easy fit to kind of stand up, stand apart from a lot of the other stuff that's out there. And it's kind of worked in my favor in that regard. But the average, the average person on my site is going to be the person planning their trip. Um, typically, they've gone before, but they want something more out of it. And that's kind of where it falls. Um, a lot of the like that 40 percent that is repeat traffic, a lot of them are people that are just really good people that love going to Disney and they want to have a good time. They want to learn some new things along the way, um, even if they're planning for their next trip. They just like reading the content. Mm-hmm. Well, what I really like about that is it seems like it's geared towards like elevating these parks fans love you know, through pointing things out to them or pointing things out of how they can do it differently. Like you said, to catch those details and not worry about if you didn't get to ride flight of passage twice in one oh, day. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's one of the things I always, I always tell people, it's like, you can, you can plan all you want to, but chances are that's not what's going to actually happen when you get there. And if you can just learn to roll with that and enjoy the little things along the way that don't have a wait time or that don't have a fast pass needed, you can really make so much more of your vacation than you realize. Yeah. It pains me so badly. I've told it once on the podcast before, but <laughs> some of my parents' friends went down there and they went with this big group. They didn't make a single fast pass reservation. They didn't make a single dining reservation, which is fine, but they still expected to, to I, do everything. Like I remember right, yeah. they, they waited two hours for test track and then they waited an hour for Soren. And it's like, and then they um, wonder where their day went. Yeah. <laughs> Go do Grand Fiesta tour. Like I promise you, yeah. you will enjoy. Go have some fun that doesn't involve a huge weight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're so, great attractions, but man, there's so much more to it, really. Yeah. So I I love that approach because it's a little bit different than, hey, here's where you stand for rope drop to you know be first in line for this. It's it's taking a little bit of a different approach. Yeah. And I did that for a while. And it was just one of those things like, that's not who I am. That's not my personality. I'm not going to be the guy I'll stand there at road drop, but I'm not going to be heartbroken if I miss something. I'm just there too frequently. I know that sounds terrible, but at the same time, it's like, there's more things to do. There's more stuff to enjoy. Why worry about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good perspective. We need some more of that. We still, we're starting to slow down, but it's still hard to like get into that mindset that, you know, you don't have to just constantly run around and do everything. Right. And it's hard to get away from it because you think, oh, if I'm not doing something, I'm missing out on something. But oftentimes it's so much more the opposite. If you're trying to do something all the time, you don't really enjoy just being there in the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I always go back to one of our favorite days ever in the parks was Christmas Day in Epcot. We didn't do a single attraction. Nothing. We didn't really yep. do a lot of anything. <laughs> we got some margaritas. Yeah, we just and there you go. hung out, I guess. And that was one of the that was one of my favorite day in the parks ever. Yeah. Because even Grand Fiesta Tour had like a forty five minute wait. Yeah, we that's yeah. not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> but it but, really is. You, you can walk around. There's so much you can do. It just you don't you don't have to ride anything. You can just enjoy the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you brought up Pinterest because that's definitely something that we are super interested in talking about because we don't understand how any of that works at all. <laughs> Most don't. And truthfully, nobody really does if you're being completely honest with yourself. It's just some things stick, others don't. Um, 
but a lot of Pinterest traffic for me at least comes from Pinterest group boards. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of traffic driven there and a lot of it comes from getting pins to start ranking. Cause then you get a lot of repeat organic traffic. I mean, it's not completely organic cause you still have to cycle that content over and over time to get it back to the top of the pages and stuff like that. But um, it really does help. Um, tailwind tribes help a little bit. Um, I'm not a huge tailwind proponent just because I don't really care for the way that they rolled out their platform. Um, I use it some, but I was one of the early adopters for it. So I got, I have a different limits on it than most people for the non-paid tier because I don't pay for it. Um, but something to possibly throw around if you're thinking about Pinterest, but really the heart of Pinterest is your pen. If you make good pens and you make your pens kind of enabled to the page and what's going to show up and where it's going to show up, especially your text within your pen, it'll make a huge difference in how your content ranks. Yeah, this the timing of our conversation is interesting because we we're on our one month trial of Tailwind right now. We are going to subscribe mainly because it's helped me on Instagram a lot to find relevant hashtags. And I've found, you know, it's easy to just schedule them all out in one setting. I know there's so many different scheduling things. But of course, since we get access to the Pinterest side of it, I'm interested in it. And it's just like a completely different mindset than any other social media platform. Oh, for sure. Because you You almost you almost have to treat Pinterest like a search engine more more than a social media site um, because it's all about who's at the top of the page. Yeah. When it comes when it comes to it at the end of the day, I will say it's not the best site for community building. Um, It's great for click through rates and stuff like that and return visitors um, as far as people that will actually see your content again, especially if it's branded. A lot of people kind of fluctuate towards your content opposed to other stuff that's on the page, but really have to think of it as a search engine. Hmm. That is so interesting. And it's like on Instagram, it's like, all right, I have this one picture. I've got one shot. Like, what day am I going to post it? Pinterest, it's like, all right, I'm going to pin this 20 times over the next week. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of, sort of. Sometimes that's how it works. And there's all kinds of little tricks to it that you pick up as you go. Um, I won't claim to be an expert at it, but I have had some pretty good success with it over the year, over the last two years or so that I've really gotten involved with it. But um, it makes a big difference over time. Well, it takes you may, time to build, though. Yeah, you <laughs> may not claim to be an expert at it. We think you are, <laughs> and Lou Mangello thinks you are because you are giving a talk on Pinterest and how to drive traffic at Momentum. Which I'll yeah. let you explain it. I think you probably do a better job than me of just explain to our listeners what that. Um, it's event. not a conference, but what that event is, and you know who's the target person to to attend those so momentum is an event that i kind of have my heart behind um just because lou's helped me so much over the years in complete honesty and a lot of people he's brought me in contact with are some of my very best friends um especially in the content realm um even my current boss which is kind of odd to say now but it's it's interesting um but momentum is an event where if you have an idea or a business or any kind of concept it can be Literally, I've drawn it on a napkin. I don't know where it's going to go um, to an already established business you just want to take to the next level. And he brings in some really incredible people. Um, everybody in the room is there to help somebody else, which is really cool to see. It's not a typical conference where you're going to walk in the door and you're going to listen to somebody you don't know lecture. Um, a lot of people that are talking this year have been to past Momentum events, and they've even got Steven Scheffler of the Boathouse coming in to do a, the keynote for it, um, which is going to be really neat to see as well. Um, at that particular event, I am talking on Pinterest. 
Um, I'm going to add a few things in there. I've done this presentation once before, not for Lou in particular, but for another one of his events. Um, but it's, it's, it's a really, really good event. Um, like I'll tell anybody, it's something that can legitimately change your life. Um, it gets you in the contact with the right people. And so many of the things that you don't think you can figure out on your own, once you're in that room with 50 like-minded people, you can figure it out. Um, you may not think you can as soon as you get back home, but as soon as you really reach out to those people and create that community of like-minded people, it makes a huge difference. I highly recommend it. And I'm not just saying that because I'm speaking at it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and if anybody's like a rabid D- Detour to Neverland fans, I don't know if we have any rabid fans, but <laughs> now that we've chatted with you, three of our former guests will be presenting there. So Serena from Living by Disney, Lisa from the Castle Run, and now you, Colin. So I don't know. I feel like that's a little pat on our back. We have, uh... we have to collect them all. It's like Pokemon or something. We need them all. Yeah. It's funny you, you mentioned Lisa. Lisa is one of those people that is one of my very best friends now. Um, she's a sweet lady, and she, she's really good at what she does. Yes. And as we're talking about this now, she is on Good Morning America and <laughs> yeah. every other different you know, yep. news yeah, outlet that things. you can imagine. So it, it could nobody happen else to deserves a it better. Person. Yeah, exactly. Well, good deal. So if our listeners want to check out more about Momentum, where can they find that information? Uh, currently, I think the easiest place to find is just on Lou's website, uh, loumangelo.com forward slash Momentum. Um, there is a discount code out right now. To just You can look on my Instagram for that if it's a speaker code. Uh, I don't entirely know exactly what it is. I think it's Speak 100 to get $100 off the event. Um, but double check that on my Instagram page. It should be fairly near the top or I can repost it if you guys would like for me to, or send it your way. Yeah. So we will put that link in our show notes. If you guys want to check that out, the dates for the event are September 28th and 29th. So just a few more weeks, but something to keep on your radar for the future as well. If you guys, that's something that is on our bucket list that I would love to do one day. So I've loved this chat about Guide for WDW. It has been so interesting to hear about the origin of it and how you've grown it over time. So we will take a quick break and hear a message from our partners, and then we'll be back to play the Fast Pass round. After quite a few months of tinkering with it and figuring out what our exact strategy is, we are really starting to see some growth on Pinterest. We never understood how much potential there was on that platform. And I really do think The key to having success on Pinterest is having a picture that captures the audience's eye. That is so important and having a high resolution professional photo to go along with your message to catch someone as they're scrolling through their pins really is going to give you so much more exposure. If you are like me and you don't have access to tons of Disney photos, there is a wonderful solution for you. It's called the Photo Reserve, and it's from our friends over at Report the Magic, and I'd love for you to go check it out. Get six completely free photos that you can check out, and also you can get Kirsten's Pinterest guide. So to learn more about that, go to reportthemagic.com forward slash detour. Again, that's reportthemagic.com forward slash detour. We also have that link in our show notes. Happy pinning. Good deal. So, Colin, we will throw out these topics, these Disney topics, and you just kind of share the first thing that comes to your mind so our listeners can get to know Uh your Disney fandom a little bit better. (laughs) Okay, here we go. (laughs) So, the first one's easy. It's just name the parks that you visited. 
Okay, so that's actually an easy one for me. It's just Walt Disney World. I've I almost went to California a few weeks ago, but it didn't end up happening. Um, but yeah, just Disney World. Is D twenty three something that would ever be on your radar that you would want to attend? It was. Um, it actually was for this next week, um, but it just it just didn't work out, unfortunately. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> gotcha. So of those four Walt Disney World World parks, which one is your favorite and why? Um, my go to is Epcot. Um, just because there's so much to do beyond the attractions, and that's kind of a nostalgia factor too. Interesting. Yeah. So, for our Epcot lovers, we have to ask, what's your favorite country? Country. Uh, my go-to is probably going to be Japan, just because Teppanito is excellent. And then, if you get that, you can you compare that and you time it just right, you can get out to the um, the balcony there. The, that staircase is the perfect spot for illuminations and really any fireworks show it. At Epcot, you're normally the only one standing there, one of very few standing there. And it's one of my favorite places to set up for fireworks as far as photography, too. We have never eaten there, actually. No, we haven't. Got to add it to the list. It's a good spot. Yeah, we sure do. So next one would be your Disney bucket list trip. Uh, Shanghai or Tokyo Disney Sea, Probably Disney Sea. Um, just because that's one I don't, I'll probably get to eventually, but it's going to take a while to figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything in particular that draws you there? Is it just cause it's so different than the other parks? Uh, it's a photography thing for me, just cause there's so much detail in that park and such a high level of detail that you don't quite get in all the other parks. They're all very detailed, but Tokyo Disney Sea is just next level. Mm-hmm. For sure. So the next one would be your your favorite Disney resort, but it doesn't necessarily have to be one that you've stayed at. Okay, so that one's kind of a toss-up for me between Boardwalk Villas and uh, Wilderness Lodge's actual Boulder Ridge Villas. I'm not a huge fan of the Copper Creek Villas. I've not stayed in the ones on the water, the actual cabins, um, but Boulder Ridge Villas are kind of my go-to. I love the, the Boulder Ridge section over there, especially the, the Carrollwood Room and that kind of stuff. It's all the nostalgia factor and the Walden influence for me, but I love that resort. Yeah. I want to take a quick break from the Fast Fast Round and ask you, since you mentioned photography, I I meant to ask this earlier, but because they use that so much in Pinterest, and what is your approach to it? Do you just try to build up a catalog of all the different resorts and all the different attractions and different angles and things that you can see? Or do you have like specific things in mind like, all right, I have this blog post coming out. I need these pictures to accompany it. So as much as I hate to admit it, I have no plan whatsoever when I go to a park. To <laughs> usually, um, like every once in a while, I go in, oh, I need to get shots of Pandora because I don't have many or something like that. But I take so many photos when I go to the parks. Um, I take a DSLR with me. I normally carry a tripod and about four different lenses usually. Uh, it's about 30 pounds worth of gear when I travel to the park. Security hates me. Um, but it's funny funny pe- to see other people's reactions to it. And I, I always look for something that's not the normal. Um, so many people are in the Disney photography space that you almost have to get really creative to find something that's not been done 100 times, um, especially for a lot of the local guys and girls, for that matter. Um, they're always there. They're they're going to have the same shot and they're going to be more creative than you a lot of times. 
And that's the biggest thing, trying to get something that's not been done a hundred times, especially for Instagram. Um, and I like it on my site as well, because I feel like that's kind of a differentiating factor for me. Of course, you've got Tom Bricker and some of the really big players, but mm -hmm. it, it's fun for me and I really enjoy it more than anything else. Yep. On our last trip, you know, we spent the evening with adults in Disney and Disney nuts with Lewis. He's a good guy. And it's like... <laughs> I loved being there with Lewis and we absorbed so much information just from spending a couple hours to them. But you do have that in the back of your mind, like, all right, we're both setting up for the same shot. Mine is yeah. literally going to be trash. This <laughs> is going to be so much better. <laughs> Lewis is a really good guy. I actually ran into him in the parks one day when I was really just getting started. He was really helpful to me. Yeah, he is. He's a one, good guy. Yep, one of the nicest ones we have met so we can get back to the fast pass round uh, you're fine <laughs> <laughs> next one would be if you could only fast pass one ride for the rest of your life which one would it be Ooh, uh as weird as it sounds i'm gonna go with test track because i've always loved that ride as a kid and you always want to have a fast pass for it because you never know when it's going to break down <laughs> but it's hard not to say flight of passage but i don't have that nostalgic connection with with Flight of Passage, like I do Test Track. That was always my go-to growing up. That is speaking your language. Yes, that was, <laughs> I don't know why, but me and my sister were obsessed with that ride. And it's always like a fight between me and Brendan. Not like a fight, fight, but <laughs> of whether or not it's going to be Test Track or Soren. And I yep. feel like you, you always win. <laughs> it's always Soren. I mean, it just kind of works out that way. I'm the one who wakes <laughs> up at 6 a.m. to book the Fast Passes. So, <laughs> so I'm going to well flip the script. The original test track or the newer test track of if you had to pick one? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess the newer one. I don't. I don't. Because I like that there's like the competitive element where you get to like see your car. We've learned that we're not very good car designers. Oh, nobody is. <laughs> we're last in every single one. I'm like, how are these five year olds beating our car design? We're always good in efficiency because we pick an electric car. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I think will, I like the new one. One comment we made last time, and maybe it's just because I was a child riding it, but where you swerve and you almost go head on collision with the truck, I feel like that was so much more intense as a child. Like, I don't know if they've toned it down yeah. or it doesn't come at you. It was you. different. Yeah. I think it was probably because that ride seems like it got less jerky as as it went on, but... They used to have so many issues with it too, but I used to love the original version. It just felt like more of an authentic experience to me, but yeah. hey, to each their own. Yeah. <laughs> so this next one, sticking with rides, which ride do you think is due for either an exit or a furbishment? So you say that and my mind automatically goes to the people mover. Just because the last three times I've been on it, I've gotten stuck, um, but I love the attraction. I just think it needs an overhaul to to really bring it back up to what it once was. Because now the weights are starting to get to the point where they kind of back off in the in the later in the day, and you, you end up having to wait 20, 30 minutes for it on peak season. It's like you never used to have to do that. It's just because it's not running all the time. But that one needs an update. Um, I I still think Soren should go needs an update from the most recent one, um, Soren around the world. I still think the original was better, but that's just me. Yeah, I think a lot of people say that. That's a pretty common comment. Well, you can just look at California and see right now in DCA that the weight has jumped up because it's exactly. in California. Yeah, people prefer it. So when you say you got stuck on the people mover, like you have to get evacuated off, or they just make you sit there? 
And they just make you sit there. And, and unless it's, you've been sitting there for a really long time, they make you sit there. Uh, I only, almost had to walk off at once. We were like the last car back in. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then the people after us walked off of it. But yeah, it's interesting. I have walked off a haunted mansion once, though. That'll ruin the attraction for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was we. OK, so at the time that we recorded this, this would have dropped. But that was on Brendan's like bucket list is he wants to get evacuated off the haunted mansion. Don't yeah. don't it ruins it. <laughs> it really does. Like you know how it all works. If you're a really hardcore Disney fan, you know how it's all working anyway. But to see it and to see how much random stuff is behind the scenes, like just out of sight, is really concerning sometimes. <laughs> but just random stuff laying everywhere. But oh, interesting. I have to ask yeah. since we brought it up, did you touch anything? Well, they while well, you were being evacuated, uh, they they watch you very carefully when they evacuate you from that ride. They didn't even want you taking pictures. Dang. Yeah, yeah. But we we had an episode that you've not heard yet, but it has dropped at the time that this is dropped. We had too long of a discussion about that. Yeah, <laughs> we, we won't got on. we yeah. won't bore our listeners. But that's fun. fun. I will tell you that. Yeah. And there's a there's a lot more space between the car and the wall behind you than you realize too in a lot of sections of it too. It's interesting. interesting. It changes your perspective on the attraction for sure. Wow. Hmm. So I still love it, but <laughs> Yeah. So next one would be what land or area in the parks brings you the most inspiration? Ooh, that's that's a hard question for me. Um if you're talking strictly in the parks, it's probably going to have to be Main Street USA just because there's so much history there, especially in the windows and the little tucked away areas um, off to the side that a lot of people don't take the time to explore. Um, just because there's so many stories there that kind of get lost in the mix. You could sit down on Main Street with a cup of coffee or a, a snack and just sit there for hours on end and find stuff constantly, time and time again. But really, my go-to spot is the, the boardwalk really late at night. Um, I post a ton of pictures from the boardwalk just because I'm there a lot as far as just spending time there when I'm down in Orlando. Um, I love that area because it's one of those places you can go and you can really just set aside all the worries of the world. Um, you can sit there, you can sit on a bench, grab a swing over by the Yacht and Beach Club and just walk that loop. And even if it's just after midnight, you're going to hear jelly rolls and stuff like that, but there's nobody's going to bother you. It's just completely quiet. And it's a really good escape from just this the normal stuff of every day. Everybody needs that. Hmm. Now, you we make that spend... sound so tempting. That sounds perfect. <laughs> we need to spend more time there, I guess. I know. Oh, you for sure do. We just get Part... our ice cream and leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Partner with the Cape May dinner. You've got a good night set up. Some of the best sunsets ever over at Boardwalk. <laughs> oh, I love that. So this next one is our favorite section because it's all about food. That so... sounds like what is your favorite snack or your go-to snack? So it's a simple one, really. I'm always a Cronut fan as far as the snacks. Now, it's hard to beat the French bakery at Epcot, which I can never pronounce, so I'm not even going to try. Um, but I love everything in there, too. Um, but, yeah, for snack or dessert, that that's where it's at for me. I don't think we ever tried a Cronut. I don't think we've ever had that answer either. No. Oh, you need to try that one. Especially some of the ones around the festivals with the different flavors. Those are good. There are so many things on our list. I know. Especially like <laughs> festival season. You can never. That's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. You can never have enough. Yeah. So next would be your favorite table service and favorite quick service restaurants. 
Table service is an odd one uh, for me. Uh, I eat a lot of table service when I'm down there because I normally book one per day that I'm there just so I can try things and do reviews and stuff like that. Um, one of my go-tos recently is Via Napoli just because from a cost factor, it's not too terribly expensive, but you have they have really good pizza and really it's some of the best pizza in Florida that I've had. Um, another one is Cape May, Cape May Cafe. That's always a fun one for us. But I actually, to, to my surprise, I had a really good meal with a friend of mine at the Wave recently. So that one's high on my list too right now. And that one kind of gets pushed aside. Mm. What about quick service? It's not one, but. <laughs> <laughs> Lots um, of good options. Quick service, do you count Geyser Point? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then Geyser Point, without a doubt. Mm. We meant to go there last night, last time because we ate at Whispering Canyon. Mm-hmm. And we meant to go out there, but the temptation to go back to Magic Kingdom was too much. Too great. <laughs> Geyser Point's just, it's a perfect place to hang out when the weather's not too terribly hot. It's still nice because they've got kind of like an AC, there's a flow of air out there. Um, but they've got an excellent burger, and a lot of their food is really, really good. They've got nice waffle fries as well. They're kind of different, a little unique to the location, but really good food. Yeah. Yeah, waffle fries. We love a good waffle fry. Yeah. Don't we all? (laughs) (laughs) So the next one, I guess the next couple are just all about your Disney favorites. So the first one is your favorite Disney movie. Uh, if hmm, that's a tough one for me, um, probably if you had to pin one down, it would actually be Saving Mr. Banks, just because I like Tom Hanks a lot, and him as Walt Disney is just just perfect. It, I love that Tom Hanks is going to play like every American legend by the time he's done. I cannot wait for the Mr. Rogers movie. <laughs> right? It's going to be great. <laughs> so the next one would be your favorite Disney Parks memory. Oh, there's a lot. Um, but one that I, I always go back to time and time again is um, what what we call the first writer story. Um, when we were... So when they opened for fast passes, they used to do that thing where they'd block off certain areas of the park. I think they still do it some, but not as much as they used to. Um, so when you came down from Fantasyland, they'd hold the rope right there for Frontierland. So Frontierland would open when the rest of the park would open for early entry. And we were sitting there and the rope came down. We kind of made our way towards uh, Thunder Mountain. And we got about halfway there. And I guess I was probably... 15 or so at the time my older sister was with me and then family as well and a lot of people were not paying attention they were just running ahead of the cast members and as they usually do just take off running they're those select people they're in every crowd um but we had a cast member that turned around on us just kind of whispered to us he goes do you want to be first riders and we were like well of course i'm not going to say no to that and they go okay follow us and he says just keep up with us okay so we're like all right we'll go with it um, they took us around down the, the side section where a lot of people were falling behind us and they took us down a, a, about as quickly as they could to get us ahead of both crowds because they come from Adventureland and from, and um, uh, Fantasyland up there. And so they take us all the way to the attraction. We're like, OK, they'll just usher us in first. Well, instead, they take us in the exit and they put us on a on the attraction by ourselves. They say, pick a row and they say, just get in. They didn't put anybody else on it with us. And they sent us around the track. As soon as we get back to the station, we're the only people in the car. They look at us and say, don't get up. Stay there. You're going again. <laughs> and so we all we go again. And then we get off the attraction. And they go, okay, how do you like Splash Mountain? We're like, 
well, of course I like Splash Mountain. And they go, follow our friend over here. And they, they usher us over. And we're like, okay, they'll stick us in the, they'll stick us in the line to say, hey, you're going to have a good day. Go ahead and do that. Um, and we ended up, they walked us right up to the exit of that one again, stuck us on the attraction. And we rode that one too. And, and really all it took was one person acknowledging us for, for being kind of patient that morning. And as a kid, that's something that I know my parents loved to see that like, yeah, you listen, but you actually, it's not like you got rewarded for listening, but it actually mattered to somebody. And that's always a big thing for us. And it's a story that's always stuck with us over the years. And it's, it's funny cause you don't, I've never heard of it happening to somebody else. I'm sure it has, but it, it's just kind of cool. It's kind of our story. Yeah. It's like you have read our minds. So Brendan's, one of his bucket lists was, you know, the Haunted Mansion. Mine was to be the first rider of a ride. For the and day. here yeah. we go. You had both of them. Checked so we them just off. need to just hang out patient. with you. So. Yeah, you just be patient. <laughs> yeah, it'll happen awesome. eventually. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, that is a great story. That's a, a great memory. So. Colin, the very last question that we have for you is if you have one piece of parting guidance that you can give to someone who's looking to jump in to this community, either as a Disney content creator or maybe they want to create their own products, what would be your advice to that person? So this is going to be a a short two-part answer. The first one is to build your community. Don't build, don't look for a base of numbers. Um, It's not going to make any difference at the end of the day how many numbers you have on paper. Um, I try to be as far away from the numbers as I can. Obviously, it's going to track your progress. Um, but the big thing is getting people engaged with your content, treating people like actual people, not just a number on the page. Uh, it'll make a huge difference to people. And really, you create some of the best relationships you'll ever have in your life through this content sharing journey. Um, and that sounds like a line, but it really isn't. Some of the best people you'll ever meet um, are in this space. Now, not everybody's that way. But if you spend the right time and you take the time to really get to understand people and to appreciate people and everything that they're doing on top of what they're interacting with you, it'll pay off for you tenfold. It's better than any growth hacking tip that you can give. Just be in your community. Um, the other part of that answer and probably the more important part is get involved with people in the space. Um, I talk about Lisa. I've got a friend named Jason. Obviously, Lou's in the space with me. Um those people and those connections you make, they will help you out in big ways. Um, it's it's easy to say that, but when you look at a room, like a room at Momentum or something like that, and you see all these people scattered around, you can start naming people in the group and what they've done for you and how they've legitimately changed your life for the better. That's something you can't explain to anybody starting out in this content journey. Like If you want to be a content creator and you're doing it for the right reasons, you're going to meet these people. Because they're the people that are in it for the right reasons. It makes all the difference in the world. So just be authentic with people. Be real with people. And that's really the best thing you can do. You may not have the biggest numbers in the world, but you'll have a devote group of people that are coming along with you. I don't like the term follower. I don't like the the term uh, friends and that kind of stuff. It's just like these people, they're just people. They're people that want to connect with you. And if you treat them like that, that's going to make a huge difference. That's more than any tip that I can give. Just just straight up be good to people and it'll be good to you. Yeah. That is awesome. I don't yeah. even have anything I can add to that it's because I think good, that's a, a good that, life lesson. Yeah, that's the end all be all right yeah. there is is be nice and, and things make they connections. Come your way. Yeah. Good things come your way. Really awesome. does make all the difference some days. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Colin. 
So very last thing, if you can remind our listeners where they can connect with you online. Sure. Um, so I'm guide for WDW, the number four rather than the word for um, basically any social media platform. I'm Colin Kendall on Facebook and then the site's guide for WDW.com. Um, and of course, I'll be at Momentum this year. So if you want to give that a shout, I'll be there with some of my friends. Perfect. So, of course, we'll put the links to all of those in our show notes. If you guys want to go over there and connect with Colin and join that community that he's mentioned quite a few times. So, Colin, thank you so much for joining us today. We've had such a blast chatting with you. And, yeah, we, we appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. Happy to be here. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.